Hi, I am Yudhishthir Maharajan. Welcome to the Mass Podcast. I am a visual artist based between Kathmandu and Boston. I have been working exclusively with reclaimed books for the past six years, like the story of almost all South Asian artists. I had to go against the will and support of my family and teachers to follow my decision to be an artist. I wanted to stay in Nepal, and soon after high school, I joined an art college secretly on the pretext of going to a preparatory MBBS course. But I didn't feel I was learning much, and even simple resources like art books and art materials were available with much difficulty. Plus, I was continuously failing to convince my parents to allow me to pursue art. So I left for the U.S., where I discovered courses that I never imagined existed. And most importantly, I and I alone was given the sole power to decide what to do with my life. I could choose any class I wanted and be anything I aspired to. For the first time in my life, I was asked what I wanted. For someone who has spent his entire school life in a military boarding school, parroting the terms of science and math equations, where all my life decisions were forced onto me by my parents and teachers, where everything I could do revolved around me being a doctor, this newfound freedom and autonomy was exciting and overwhelming at the same time. I spent next seven years studying everything I could get my hands on and experimenting with all kinds of materials and techniques of art making. Besides my regular registered courses, I would just go and sit in any class I found interesting. Anthropology, mythology, linguistics, philosophy, religion. I was not thinking or worried about getting a job after graduation. I was not thinking about my destination. I was passionately invested in my journey, in the process. In retrospect, not having my parents' support and leaving the comfort of home and nation was the best thing that happened to me, that prepared me into being an artist. Being alone and scared in an alien place where everything I knew was questioned, I got to learn to trust my passion and navigate in darkness, often lost and confused, often making mistakes. But they were my mistakes. I learned to take responsibility for my choices. Success or failure, they were mine and mine alone. I learned to not fear from making mistakes, from being wrong. There is no straight path in art or life. Sometimes there is no path at all. It is okay to be at a place of confusion. Confusion, struggle is a sign that we are in this state of growth, expansion. My art practice involves mundane and monotonously repetitive labor that demand my full commitment and dedication to the process. I have no worries about the finished product. The meaning and aesthetics of the end result is left to the accidents and chances that take place during my involvement with the material and the process. My work with found text started out as mindless acts of killing boredom. I would fill in all the enclosed shapes of English alphabets, like O's and P's and B's. Of the book pages I would be reading. After completing my MFA in printmaking, I lost my studio and press privileges. So I had to use my two-bedroom apartment as my studio. Without the press and enough space, I considered working in the smaller scale, something I could produce on my study desk. 
I had already left painting and I was without a printing press to continue printmaking. I wanted a break from art and took refuge in books. It was then that I noticed my subconscious doodles on pages of most of my books. I seriously considered their potential to being independent works of art. I started to draw patterns, connecting those randomly scattered shapes. Since language works within grammar and structures, I felt the need of logical and methodical structure to my process, my own grammar and syntax. I started formulating rules on what alphabets to leave out and what to hide, and how to connect the left out alphabets, like connecting all the O's in the page into triangles, or drawing concentric circles around them, expanding and colliding into one another, or connecting them with one unbroken organic line. Then. I experimented with cutting out pages, leaving behind just the lines that connected the O's, transforming the page into a physical object. Gradually, the lines became thinner and I started layering several pages of cutouts, where the fragile lines entangle and intertwine, and in the process of their growth, lose their beginning and the end, where time becomes a circle, like the letter O. The letter O which once played crucial role in completing words and sentences, in narrating a story or sharing a message, taken out of their pre-assigned context, lose its function and meaning, and signify nothing, and thus everything. Freed from its enslavement to meaning, the viewers can now read the letter O as anything. I enjoyed the act of cutting book pages. It was very, very real and physical and concrete and hands-on. I had to cut fragile paper gracefully and carefully, which demanded me to be completely absorbed into the task, physically and emotionally. It emptied me completely to be able to impose any of my subjective feelings or thoughts onto the work. They were independent with their own voices. I also got better at cutting skill. I started to cut out individual alphabets, including punctuations. I removed them gently, lifting them up with the tip of my exacto knife, one alphabet at a time, one breath at a time, as if I were my own clock, measuring time in my own units, at the quietness of early morning, which is when I prefer to work the most, I can hear the sound of knife piercing through the paper. The process leaves behind empty holes in the shape of outlined alphabets on the book pages where they once used to share stories, personal memories, or important messages. They become a space of silence, the unsaid, unwritten, invoking memory of the familiar through their absence. Every alphabet and punctuation I cut out is glued back into fine geometric shapes, sometimes in dense layers without chronology, sequence, or clarity, where text becomes texture, concrete and tactile. Texts with meaning and information are thus reduced to nothing but actual physical materials. Devoid of their assigned meanings, they are free to assemble any way without the constraints of grammar and syntax, meaningless, and thus independent, autonomous. Investigation of language where signs are reduced to visual elements or physical objects, writing or unwriting, 
purified of sense and logic, a pure act of writing with the silence, incomprehension is cherished. Writing in this case is not linked to knowing, understanding, but being, a performance, a ritual, writing that remains in silence, original truth, an open text, a place of discovery. I take something as mundane and familiar as language, which we use every day for everything, and make something new out of it, creating new ways of perceiving the obvious and exploring uncharted territories, opening up new possibilities of understanding life. To read them, to experience them, the viewers are forced to relinquish the safety and comfort of the familiar and embark on a journey into the unknown. A voluntary willingness to suspend and question all forms of certainty in the search for the new. Cutting text is further explored in other works by dissecting individual alphabets into their individual parts and reassembling them into completely different script that maintain the most essential architecture of familiar languages, reminiscent of some long-lost script, convincing imitation of some functional language but absolutely made up and meaningless. Primordial sign, language before it becomes language. Yet, in other works, each alphabet is cut into tiniest possible parts and glued back into what resembles a cluster of dots, points, suggesting mythic and scientific notions of origin. Everything emerges out of nothingness and everything will be reduced into nothingness. Semantic nothingness, the semantic void, silence as a germinating source. I have been working only with found books and 26 alphabets of English script for more than six years now, exploring the materiality of paper and uh, experimenting the possibilities of language. Since my vocabulary is very limited, diversity in my works stem from the titles of the books I choose to work with. I consciously avoid reading the books so their contents can't have any influence over my work. My interest is in the titles alone which serve as a window to look at my works, while my alteration of the book pages add new possibilities to the titles. I often wait for weeks and even months for the titles to inspire me to devise a particular poem and technique, like scraping, crocheting, hand-twisting individual pages into one single rope, or piercing concentric circles around all the O's with sewing needle, burning individual alphabets, as if writing with an incense, vaporizing everything once laden with important information. Most recently, I have been exploring possible techniques of weaving, for which I cut book pages into as narrow as 1mm strips and use them as threads. Weaving is a common and rich practice among Newar communities of Kathmandu even to this day. Besides cultural souls and saris, they weave everything from rice straws to old clothes to milk packets, into mats and other household items. I have borrowed their age-old humdrum technique, always marginalized and restricted to the spheres of women, to be my new vocabulary to tell stories of my own and of time, patching up rips between ancestry and contemporary, tradition and modernity craft and art. More interestingly, the word text originates from the Latin textere, which means to weave, 
written words are then woven threads of meaning. Be it cutting or weaving, my emphasis has always been on the process, mundane and monotonous, repetitive and meditative. I spend 10 to 12 hours a day on average repeating the same act over and over again, sitting at one place. In a way, I have been under lockdown for years now. The meaning and beauty of my works spring not from the aesthetics or content of the finished product, but from my engagement with the process. Words, language, is often used to hide or bend the truth. It is thus necessary to question language, to read beyond what it offers, or what it does not reveal. What is unsaid? Silence. Spoken and written words are not enough to seek the truth. The outside knowledge, even when they are true, cannot be applicable on all of us all the time. We need to find our own truth, our own voice, to look inside of us. My art practice offers just that, an opportunity to slow down time and engage in introspective investigation of the self, the process of reading, the process of information gathering, which is otherwise easily and readily available through regular books, becomes a journey into the unknown.